Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Just wanted to say thank you again for your amazing generosity. $120,000 raised last week and one Sunday. And then I believe we have at least another 20000 pledged to give by the end of the year. So give, another, give yourselves another round of applause. I had the privilege of going out with Sujo John to lunch last week and just hearing his heart and all of our missionaries, both local, local missionaries, foreign missionaries, they are doing some incredible work around the world. And it's just exciting that we in this part of Michigan can be a part of what God's doing globally and around the world. It's very, very exciting. So we're in a series right now called Strengthen. And we're talking about the church. And today I want to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of us, us believers to strengthen us, to encourage us, to lead us, and to guide us. And throughout the Bible, you see the word Holy Spirit mentioned several times. In fact, the Spirit of God is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. Starting in the second, uh, Genesis 1-2, the second verse into the Bible, this is what the Word of God says. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word spirit in the Hebrew, ruach, means wind, breath, blast of breath, powerful breath, the breath of God. In the Greek, in the New Testament, you see the word spirit, it's it's pneuma, a current of air, a blast of breath, the spirit of God, a strong breeze. It's mentioned over and over. And in the Old Testament, you can see that the spirit would ascend and descend on people. Like, for instance, King Saul, the Bible says specifically that the Spirit would come and ascend on him, but then descend on him. In fact, David, when he sinned against God, in Psalm 51, when he's repenting, he said, please don't take your Spirit from me. Don't remove it, because it would ascend and descend. But in the New Testament, we have a promise for Christian believers that God will never leave us or forsake us, that once we're in Christ, the Spirit would be with us, leading us and guiding us, dwell within us each and every single day. In the New Testament, you see Jesus, when he's about to get baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on the believers there, and they did some supernatural things, including speaking in tongues and miraculous signs and wonders were done through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is here to strengthen His church, to encourage His church, and to empower us to do some great things. But here's the problem when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, is a lot of people have different 
pictures of what that looks like in the church. You have some people that have one opinion of what it looks like when the Spirit of God moves, and you have people way over here with a completely different opinion of what it means for the Spirit of God to move. And then you have everything in between, and sometimes we can be confused because some people say the Holy Spirit's moving and it's kind of like weird and maybe not quite what you think would be the Holy Spirit moving. But then you have other people who say, well, the Holy Spirit's moving. You're like, really? I, are you sure? And so there's all these things in between. But what I want to talk about this morning is the role the Holy Spirit plays in each of our lives, what his role is, what he wants to do in our lives. And I want to ask you this question. And I really want you to think about this question, and I don't want you to think about it in a condemning way, like you're doing something wrong if you answer it one way. I just want you to think about this without any condemnation. Are you living a spirit-filled life, or are you living a spiritless life? Are you living a spirit-filled life or are you living a spiritless life? Got quiet. I said I didn't want any condemnation in here when I brought this up, but I just want you to think about this. So let's look at John chapter uh, 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he says this. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate comforter to help you be to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you that word advocate in the greek is parakletos it means counselor advocate comforter helper in John 16, 7, Jesus says this, but very truly I tell you, it, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, now think about this. Jesus interrupted and disrupted the lives of his disciples. He pulled them away from fishing. He pulled them away from their, whatever they were doing vocationally. And he said, follow me. They followed him. And for three years, they saw incredible things. They saw people healed. They saw people delivered. They saw the dead raised. They saw incredible things. On top of that, Jesus taught them many things about God and who God was. Jesus empowered them to do ministry. Jesus encouraged them when they needed encouragement. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says to them, it's going to be better for you if I leave. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? No way. No way. There's no way it could possibly be better for us if you leave. We have peace when you're here. 
When you're around, we feel like everything's going to be okay. If you're gone and we're left on our own, we're going to be freaked out in this world. But Jesus said, no, because when I'm here, there's only one of me. There's only one of me here. So when you're with me, that's a good thing. But when I leave and send the Holy Spirit, he's going to be with all of you all the time. Wherever you go, wherever you walk, whatever situation you're in, you will have the Holy Spirit with you. Every believer will have access to this. That's why it's better if I leave, because I'm only one. But he will be many. He will be with all of you. And so it's really important to understand what that means, that the Holy Spirit is with us and what we have access to because of that. And I believe that a lot of Christians don't fully plug into the Holy Spirit or aren't fully led by the Spirit because, number one, they're they're simply unaware of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their lives. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 3, the Word of God says this, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. So they were baptized into John's baptism before Christ died. They didn't realize, they were unaware that there was a Holy Spirit that wanted to lead them and wanted to guide them. And there's a lot of people in the church, maybe just unaware of the role of the Holy Spirit, that the role of the Holy Spirit plays in your life. Maybe you haven't been taught it. Maybe you're just unaware of what he's doing in your world. Occasionally, I fly, I go out of town, I take a plane, I don't like to drive, I prefer to fly, and I'll fly Delta most of the time, sometimes, occasionally, I'll fly Spirit if I have to, but I prefer Delta to to fly most of the time, and every time I go to the airport, it's an an experience, right? (laughs) You know, you walk in, instantly you're hit with a ball of stress. People are running all around like crazy. You're trying, people are cutting you off in line. You're trying to get to the front to check your bags. Then you go through security. You're taking your shoes off. You, you, you know, you got all this stuff. And then maybe you, your, your bag gets flagged because you left a bottle of water or something in there. And then you're off to the side and they're patting you down. And you finally get to your gate and, and it's just everyone's everywhere. People are coughing and sneezing. It, it, it's just like this whole ordeal. You can't find two seats together at your terminal, then everyone's like trying to get on the plane at the same time, even though there's no reason for that whatsoever. It's just a stressful experience. But one day, I was walking through the airport and I had seen the Delta Sky Club before. And I'd wondered what that was, I never knew what it was, but I'd walked by it a lot of times. So one day I was traveling with a friend and he said to me, hey, I have a pass to go into the Delta Sky Club. You want to you go in with me? 
I said, sure, I'll go in. I walk into the Delta Sky Club, and immediately, the person at the counter, she was so nice. <laughs> she like alleviated all my stress. She's like, hi, Chris, it's so I'm so glad you're flying Delta. You know, your flight leaves in 35 minutes. You'll have to board soon, but don't worry. You got plenty of time to go upstairs, get a cup of coffee, relax, something to eat. Just enjoy yourself. I'm like, thank you. That is so nice. Go up this escalator, and man, you, just a whole new world opens up to you. I mean, there's coffee, there's specialty coffee, any kind of coffee you want, espresso, there's lattes, there's any kind of tea that you want, any beverage you want really is there and it's available for free. And then there's all these little places to sit and it's peaceful, they're all organized, very nice, where you can just sit with the people that you're traveling with, and you can sit down there, and, and you can charge your phone, and you get Wi-Fi access, and it's just like everyone's up there, and they're peaceful, and they're chatty, and it's this whole different world in the same airport. It's this whole beautiful experience. And then when you're done, you come out, you get off, and you go right to your flight, and you get on the plane and it just, you can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. How many times had I walked by that Delta Sky Club completely unaware what was going on in there? <laughs> completely unaware. And once I experienced it, I now knew my eyes were opened to what an airport experience could be like. But see, this is the same thing I feel like with Christians and the Holy Spirit is sometimes we're just unaware of what we have access to. We've heard about it. We've walked by it. We may have read about it, but we're unaware of what we actually have access to in the Holy Spirit. And so I think many, many are just simply unaware, but some people... Maybe they resist the Holy Spirit a little bit in their lives. This is, this is common too. Some people, it, the Holy Spirit can be a little bit scary or a little bit risky or maybe you've heard weird stories or you've been burned or someone used the name of the Holy Spirit in an effort to control or abuse or, or do something weird. And so we can kind of be a little bit hesitant when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. We might want to resist the Holy Spirit a little bit. Some people, they just can't compre comprehend the, the stories in the Bible, and they go, well, these, these shouldn't be happening today. So they just say, hey, the, the, the Holy Spirit's not for today, and they just res resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do in their lives. I mean... Stephen said something pretty harsh to the Pharisees in the book of Acts chapter 7 because the Pharisees were people who knew the Scripture was all in their head, but they didn't realize that Jesus was trying to get them to understand the role of the Spirit in their lives. He says this in Acts 7, 51, he says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And that circumcision of the heart in the New Testament, it, it refers to living a life full of the Holy Spirit, the leading and guiding, a free, full gospel life 
That includes the Word, the Spirit, what God's doing and saying on the earth. And so some resist it because they're simply unaware. Others, they want it to be really clean. I just want to read the Word and not get too crazy. I just want to control things. Some people resist the Holy Spirit because of fear in their life. I know I've been here personally in my own life. I've been doing ministry for 22 years. I've been in the church my entire life, and people have said some weird things to me over the years, just to be honest. People have prayed some weird prayers over me. Hey, can I pray for you? I guess. And they pray over me, and I'm like, that was not the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you right now. I feel weird and fearful now, but thank you for that. I appreciate the encouragement. I'm very hesitant. When someone says, hey, can I pray for you? I'm like, why? What do you, what's the Lord saying to you real quick beforehand? I can be hesitant just because of my experience, but because of that, maybe I would miss out on something that the Lord really was speaking to me or really did want to say to me. And I think some of us, we can resist some of the things that he's doing because of fear. So some people unaware of the Holy Spirit, some people resist the Holy Spirit for whatever reasons it is. But I want to give you three things that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Three powerful truths, the Holy Spirit, letting him in what he can do in your own life. For some of you, this is going to be very basic. For others of you, it might be the first time you're ever hearing something like this. But the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to comfort you. John 14, 16, the Word of God says this, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit plays a role of comforter in our lives. There was something that Jesus brought to his, his disciples that brought comfort. When he was around, they felt comfortable. When he was gone, they felt, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. They felt fearful. Just Jesus' presence in their lives brought comfort and peace. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us. It wants to give us a level of peace to say, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone in this world. I'm here. When you go through something hard, it's going to hurt. It's gonna, you're going to be sad, but you're not alone. Amen. You have a comforter who says, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to bring peace. I can't tell you how many times over the years, I've been with people in the midst of tragedy in their life, like tragedy. And they're sad, and they don't know what the future holds, but they'll say these words to me, I have a peace that I can't explain. That doesn't mean we're not going to grieve and feel things hard at different times, but it does mean that we're not alone and we have a comforter to bring us peace. The second thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to counsel you. He wants to give you wise 
counsel every single day of your life. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. That's a powerful portion of Scripture. Jesus is telling you that you're going to have a counselor who's going to tell you things about the future. He's going to give you wisdom and insight into your own life. That when you're faced with a tough choice, you can literally ask God, what should I do here? Which way should I go? Speak to me, Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants to nudge you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to us. The problem is, we are very distracted people. We're very distracted people. I mean, right here, right now, I've got two screens in front of me. Talk about distraction. People texting me from this congregation trying to mess me up too. But <laughs> we're distracted. We're distracted people. I'll never forget, I went on a mission trip a couple years back to Peru, and they were going to charge me international uh, fees if I used my phone, so we decided not to use our phones, Megan and I, for the week. We had a number of people could call in case of emergency, but we didn't turn our phones on. And for about eight or nine days straight, I didn't have a screen. I didn't have a phone, an iPad, or a TV. Can I tell you in that eight day span, I never heard God so clearly in my entire life. Now I'm not telling you, let's throw away our technology because I definitely need it and want to utilize it. What I'm saying is it's become such a priority to us to look at our screens 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day is not uncommon. Four hours a day. And what happens is, because we're so focused and distracted on this, we miss out on what God is trying to speak to us. I was on this mission trip, and the Lord was speaking to me. We were ministering every single night to different pastors, different leaders, and people. We were leading people to Christ, and the Lord was literally showing me talk to that person, they have that going on in their life. I would talk to them, that's what they had going on in their life. The Lord was leading me, he was guiding me. He gave me words to preach, like I didn't even have to write notes. I was just opening my Bible and like, this is what the Lord is saying right now to this group of people. And people were coming to the Lord, they were getting saved, they were getting rocked, they, their whole lives were being changed. Our entire group was operating like this. And I was so excited to come home and tell the stories and be like, okay, this is a new level for me. I'm never going back to being distracted again. I was home three days before I was distracted again. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak. 
But we've got to be able to hear him. We've got to be able to carve out time in our day to say, Lord, speak to me. Right now, we're doing a staff fitness challenge. And one of our staff fitness challenge items is a mental health challenge. And it's you cannot be on a screen the first 30 minutes of your day or the last 30 minutes of your day. You know how hard that is? But the goal is that we would get up and instead of going right to this, we would go to this. We'd get in this paper book and we'd say, Lord, speak to me as I read this morning. Speak to my heart. Show me something in your word. What is it you want to say? What is it you want to do in my life today? Who needs you today? Who needs a call? Who needs encouragement? Holy Spirit, move in my life in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, not only give me the gifts of the Spirit, but give me the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us if we let him. If we're not distracted and we open ourselves to him, he can produce this kind of fruit. So if you find yourself not being gentle or patient or kind or faithful or lacking self-control, it's usually because we're distracted and we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to actually do what he does inside of us. Because he wants to do that work. But he can only do it if we welcome him into our lives to do the work. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, whether you turn to the right or turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. The Lord wants to lead us. If you're like me, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but if you're like me, when something goes wrong in my life, like this week my car broke down, and it was gonna cost more to fix it than the car's worth, and immediately I say, I gotta jump on it. I gotta go look for other cars. I gotta take control of the situation. I've got to figure this out. I called eight dealerships on Friday. I'm looking at all these, all these car websites, and I never simply said, Lord, what, what should I do here? What should I do? Do you have a direction for me? Do you want to lead me? And some of you right now, you're sitting here and you're going, well, that, I do that all the time. Others of you going, He's not just going to drop a car in your lap, Chris. <laughs> There's a balance, right? Yes. Yes. But some of us need to include the supernatural, the Lord, more into our lives. And maybe he says, you know, go, go out there and get a new car. Figure it out. And I go figure it out. But maybe 
He leads me to something I wouldn't have thought of on my own. We've got to be open to the possibility that the Lord wants to be involved in our lives. He wants to speak to us. And here's the rule of thumb I usually go with. Because people are like, how do I know if it's the Spirit or if it's just me thinking this? We're generally selfish people. This truth. If what you feel like the Lord's speaking to you is selfish, it's probably you. If it's generous... If it's something you normally wouldn't do, it's probably him. He's probably trying to lead you and trying to guide you. So he really does want to counsel us. He wants to guide us. And the third thing is he wants to convict and convince us. John 16, 8 through 9 says this, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. This is a really interesting portion of Scripture. There's three levels of conviction that take place in this portion of Scripture. There's three different people that are mentioned. One is the world. I want to, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. And the sin that he convicts the world of is their lack of belief in Christ. The Holy Spirit is always trying to get the world's attention. He's always trying to get the world to believe in the message of the cross. Always. That's why sometimes... I, I get frustrated because we as Christians sometimes expect people who don't believe what we believe to act like we act. But let the Holy Spirit do his job. The Holy Spirit is out there trying to convict the world of their unbelief in him and lead them to the cross, to Christ. But then he talks about you. He talks about the believer he says, of righteousness because I go to my Father and see you no more. Jesus is talking, he says you. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to new believers. And what does he say? I want to convince you. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you of righteousness. Because left to your own self, you will think the worst of yourself. When Peter denied knowing Jesus, what did he do? He went back to fishing. He thought, that's it. I betrayed Jesus. I messed up. I'm done. He no longer wants to use me. I'm a sinner. I'm horrible. I'm going back to fishing. And Jesus appears to him. To him. After he's been dead, he appears to Peter. And he says, Peter, I still need you. I haven't given up on you. Yeah, you made a mistake, but I haven't given up on you. I believe in you still. I have a plan that's good for you still. 
But without Jesus in the flesh to do that, he gives us the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of us after we've done things that are stupid, after we make choices we're not proud of, after we think, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I'm never going to be good enough for this whole Christianity thing. He says, I believe in you. The Holy Spirit says that. It's what the Word of God says. It's so funny because I don't think people believe me. It says, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of righteousness. The Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness. Because you're not going to see me. And you're going to need to be encouraged. And you're going to need someone to say, hey, you're only righteous because of your faith in Christ anyway. That's what he wants to encourage. But why do I feel so bad after I do something that I think is wrong? Because the enemy's trying to condemn you. Condemnation. Remember in Romans 8, Paul said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The minute you sin, you cannot go back and undo what you just did. And guilt does one thing. It, it, it helps us to realize for a split second, I shouldn't have done that, and that was a bad decision, and I don't want to do it anymore. The Holy Spirit is trying to then go, okay, but we have to move forward. I'm going to convict you and convince you of righteousness. And then the enemy says, you're the worst human on the planet. All that happens at the same time. But don't confuse that for God being down on you, the Holy Spirit wants to convince you of righteousness. And then it says, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The one that the Holy Spirit is judging is the enemy, not us. He's convicting the enemy. That's what this verse says. He's convicting the enemy for trying to lead the entire world astray. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's always trying to save the world. We might not like that sometimes. We might think that some people don't deserve to be saved. But he's always trying. He's always calling out. He's always sending his spirit out to convict the world of sin, to convince us of righteousness and let the enemy know you're, you're the one who's being judged. My people aren't going to be judged. You're going to be judged. Last verse I want to read. I love this verse. If I could read it in every sermon, I would. Hebrews 10, 15 through 17 says this, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he has said before, wait, who witnesses to us? Okay, the Holy Spirit. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. 
he, you can clap for that. It's a good, it's a good scripture. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to counsel us and literally counsel us through life. He wants to convince us of righteousness, convict the world of sin. He wants to be present in our lives. That's what he wants. That's what's available to all of us. Can you bow your heads with me? If you're in this place and you would say this, I'm living a spiritless life. Maybe you're unaware, you resist, whatever the reason being, you would say, I'm a Christian, but I really don't feel like I'm living a spirit-filled life, a life that's led by the Holy Spirit. Would you just raise your hand and put it back down? Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You can put them back down. I thank you for your honesty there. I really do. And my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit, you would welcome the Holy Spirit in and you would allow him to lead you and you would allow him to guide you. Will you all stand with me? We're gonna sing a song this morning and that's what I wanna do is I just wanna welcome the Holy Spirit in Some of you, you may need some comfort this morning. Maybe you're walking through something really hard. And you would say, I need comfort. We're going to pray that during this song that the Holy Spirit would comfort you. Others of you would say, I need counsel. There's a big decision coming up in my life, and I just need someone to lead me. I need more of that in my life. I need the Lord to speak to me more. I want the counsel of the Holy Spirit. I want you to believe for that during the song. Others of you would say, I feel like the worst person on the planet. I need the Holy Spirit to convince me I'm still righteous in God's sight. 